Hello, everyone. My name is J.B. Hickson with NBW Ministries, proclaiming the clear, accurate, and urgent gospel message from my studio tucked away somewhere beneath the tall timbers here in Colorado. It is Thursday, October the 19th, 2023. Thank you so much for joining us. We've got Lucas Doremus back on the program today. It's been a couple of weeks between his schedule and my travel schedule. We've been kind of missing each other, but we try to have him on as much as possible. And he's going to be talking today about the concept of of tracking and and are you being tracked and how that works when it relates to our phones and web or our computers rather and web browsers and those types of things and as many of you know he's uh, just a, a consummate biblicist uh, we've had him on to talk about a number of biblical passages of scripture but he's also a technologist uh, serving as an uh, in, in the IT realm and so we really appreciate what he has to say and he gets it he understands the world in which we live. But before I bring Lucas on, I just want to uh, mention a couple of things, and and you might call this venting. I don't know. I get to uh, I get to talk almost every day uh, to our podcast audience, and so I feel like I know you. I feel like I'm we're among friends here, and uh, we have really taken uh, some uh, hits here the last couple of days uh, because of my podcasts that I've done uh, on worldview uh, uh, worldview affairs, or what is it called, worldview. Matters. Sorry, I had a brain freeze there for a second. Worldview Matters with David uh, Fiorazzo and also on Stand Up for the Truth with Mary Danielson. And then, of course, my podcast last week with Leo Homan, all of which I provided some commentary and my thoughts on what's going on in Israel. And then, then of course, uh, Tuesday, we had World Events Update with uh, Randy. And uh, so I've gotten some pushback, some pretty nasty emails, actually, from some folks and uh, even some from some colleagues in the Bible Prophecy realm who I believe uh, aren't really uh, getting it. They're just not connecting the dots properly. And so I just want you to pray for us as we navigate this. The bottom line comes down to this. I believe that uh, God loves Israel. We love Israel. God has a plan for Israel. It goes all the way back 2,000 years to his unconditional covenant with Abraham. One day, the land of Israel is going to be the, the center of the world. The King of kings and Lord of lords, Jesus Christ, will come back and reign from the rebuilt temple in Jerusalem, as Ezekiel describes it. And what a glorious day that will be of unprecedented peace, righteousness, and justice. And uh, we look forward to that. And we should and have and do support Israel. Uh, however, we also understand that just like America, there are rogue elements of the governments of uh, nations that are otherwise good nations uh, that are doing some pretty evil things. And you know, I'm reminded of 1 Kings chapter 16, verse 30, where we learn about Ahab. Of course, his uh, resume is quite well attested in Scripture of all of the evil things that he did. But the Bible tells us, now Ahab, the son of Omri, did evil in the sight of the Lord more than all who were before him. Uh, now, does that make God's word anti-Semitic because he, God's word calls out Omri? And by the way, he calls out many kings of Israel who did evil, and there are evil leaders today. We need to remember Israel is not in the land today in belief. They are allies. We understand that land is holy. God has a special plan for that land. We understand that uh, the horrific atrocities that the terrorist groups like Hamas and Hezbollah, all financed by Iran, are doing against Israel are ungodly, and we ought to defend Israel, and Israel certainly has a right to defend herself. Uh, but I'm finding that there are Christians out there who, if you say anything constructively critical about the government leaders of Israel today, all of a sudden uh, you are anti-Semitic, and that's just not biblical, it's not accurate, and it's an unfair uh, criticism. And uh, so, you know, people have, I had one person email, uh, not me, but somebody else in the Bible prophecy community and say that I'm being dismissive of the Holocaust of the Jews in Israel. Well, go back and listen to my last three or four podcasts for yourself. I don't think anybody that's fair would think I'm being dismissive at all. I'm just understanding that all of this is part of a bigger plan uh, orchestrated by the Luciferian elites to try to foment World War III and usher in the the, the one world system. I mean, that's straight out of Scripture. Uh, and uh, by the way, Israel, even though they are God's chosen nation and they are our allies and friends and we should support them, they're not perfect any more than America is perfect. And it's quite simple to go back and look at the annals of history and see the number of times that Israel has killed innocent people, uh, not nearly as many, obviously, as these horrific terrorists uh, are killing. Uh, so make no mistake, we are on the side of Israel, and we ought to do everything we can to blow these terrorists off the map. But the notion that some people have, like 
you know, old Newcomb Nikki Haley, who thinks we should just blow up anybody that has dark skin, uh, is just absurd that we that we wouldn't have a godly perspective to try to save innocent civilian life. And so I understand people are upset. They're angry. Uh, they they want to see vengeance, but the notion of just g- going in and and you know carpet bombing innocent civilians—that's not who we are. That's not who Israel is. And when rogue elements of their government and and conservative neocon pundits out there suggest, like Lindsey Graham, for example, suggest that that's what we should do, I don't think they're being biblical. Now, again, hear what I'm saying. I'm not in any way saying we should be soft on the terrorists. We ought to blow the terrorists to smithereens because that's godly. I mean, God ha- says we should defend ourselves against evil. Jesus told the disciples to go sell their knapsack and buy a sword. We absolutely defend ourselves against evil. But to say that flippantly that we should just not care about the innocent uh, Palestinians who have nothing to do with this, the young children and women, and we should just destroy them. And if it's uh, collateral damage, uh, you know, uh, too bad, uh, so sad. That's not, uh, you know, biblical uh, at all. And so that's all I was saying. I'm just trying to put, connect the dots in a big puzzle. And I, I just get a little perturbed when people uh, mischaracterize what I'm saying, and especially say that to other Bible prophecy leaders out there. So uh, I had another criticism this week. Someone criticized me for mentioning sports. Don't I know how evil professional sports is? And I should never mention it on the air and what a terrible thing that is. And I'm just thinking, look, you're entitled to your viewpoint. If, if you don't like that I, I occasionally uh, talk about sports and use that as an illustration, uh, then don't listen. You know, they're, you, you're not obligated to listen to the Not By Works podcast. But for those of you who want uh, the truth, uh, by the way, I've had people tell me, you know, JB, if you get too much into the conspiracies, you're going to lose part of your audience. You know, uh, they say, look what happened to JD Farag, right? Well, look, I love JD. I, I think it was unfortunate that he he went and espoused a few positions uh, regarding the 9-11 false flag that I don't think are accurate and and don't espouse. Uh, But in the big picture, he's spot on and uh, he's not afraid to say it. And I think that that's where we're coming from at Not By Works Ministries. You know, we want to speak the truth in love. We want to you do our best to correctly handle the scripture and, and, and you know, articulate what we think is happening in the world at large. Uh, And if that you know, brings listeners great. If it loses listeners, great. I'm not here to gain listeners. I just want to speak from the heart and speak the truth. So I just wanted to say that. I know that, you know, it's it's generally not my practice to speak to the squeaky wheels out there. Um, but uh, I think this has gotten enough feedback and blowback that you may be hearing some things from other speakers. Um, and I just want you to know my heart. Uh, uh, we absolutely love Israel. We support Israel. Uh, in fact, uh, until recently, my wife and daughter were had a trip scheduled to Israel, but it got canceled because of the war. Uh, and so, you know, we're, we, we are all for supporting Israel, but I think it's a little naive of people to sit back and say, Israel can do no wrong. Whatever Israel does is right, and we should kill every Palestinian and wipe them from the face of the earth because they're all bad. No. No, there's some pretty bad ones, no doubt about it. Hamas, Hezbollah, um, you know, the, the um, Muslim Brotherhood, all, all kinds of groups out there that that hate Israel and they hate God and they hate Christians, and those are the ones we need to focus on. But let's let's show a little nuance as we try to interpret all of this, and especially now, by the way, it's important in in such a time as this when things are ramping up and we are rapidly hurtling towards. Uh, the the one world system. Uh, we need to recognize that everything we say and do is being tracked. It's being tracked out in the open by others who will then use it against us, as we're finding. But it's also being tracked secretly by the powers that be. And that's what uh, Lucas is going to talk about next here on the Not By Works uh, podcast. Uh, and who better to talk about it than someone who's really, uh, you know, integrally involved in uh, information technology and also fully understands uh, the Luciferian conspiracy and what's happening to uh, march us toward the one world system. So, Lucas, thanks so much for joining us. How have you been, my friend? I've been doing great. And, and JB, can I offer some encouragement to some of your listeners out there by way of what happened to me yesterday? Please do. <laughs> we need some encouragement. Well, I listened to your podcast with Leo. Um and you guys brought up a lot of good questions and, and I'm going to, to anybody that, you know, kind of struggles with this, this is what happened to me yesterday. So I work in it, which means I'm on YouTube all the time. 
if you are out there and work on IT, you know exactly what I mean. But others that aren't in IT, you might think that's weird, but that's where a lot of instructional things are. Anyway, I go to YouTube and they on, on the homepage and all of a sudden there's this section in YouTube called Breaking News. It's not there all the time. It's only there sometimes. And all of a sudden I start seeing these thumbnail pictures with Biden's face all over them. And there's something about a hospital and there's something about who's getting blamed and there's something about the statements different leaders are making. And then there's something about other things that people, news pundits, government people, whoever are saying about what's being said and all this. And if you're out there and you struggle, ask yourself just why all that is there. First of all, why is YouTube reporting on breaking news in the first place? because it's not always there. So why did YouTube feel the importance to show this? Second of all, you've got a thumbnail. That's what, you know, two, 300 pixels by two, 300 pixels of a picture. That's in 2D. Life is in 3D. So what is happening beyond that picture that you're being shown on that thumbnail? What is happening outside of it? What's happening behind it? and all these things. And then there's also this little, you know, title of the video. How important is that title? Why am I being told that title? And just if you start to ask all those questions, you start to think about why things are being reported. JB, you know, you've said to me many times, you know, there's seven, eight billion people on the planet and there's only one event happening in the whole world that news outlets are reporting on. Right. You know, yeah. so, so just by way of just questioning, why do I know this piece of information that the news is reporting on? Why are they reporting on it? Why are the words being chosen? They know full well that most people aren't going to click on those videos and watch them, yeah. which means that title of that video is arguably more important, and the picture, by the way, than the actual content of the video. <laughs> yeah, it leaves they, it leaves an impression, and it's it's a form of mind control in a way, or at least uh, you know manipulation for sure. Mm -hmm. And I, I tell you, you know, um, I, I consider it two dimensional thinking. And really, what people need to understand is that uh, there's a lot more going on. You've heard me say it a hundred times, Lucas. It's not about what it's about. There's a lot more going on than what they're telling us. And right now, they're trying to create. Uh, sides. On the one extreme, you've got people who want to kill every Palestinian that ever walked on the face of the earth, uh, whether they are guilty of crimes or not. And then on the other hand, you've got the people that want to kill every Jew and Christian because they love God. And and so, but I think people need to be more balanced. They need to have more of a three-dimensional viewpoint. And that's all I was saying is, look, I've been studying the Luciferian conspiracy for seven, almost 18 years now, been studying God's Word for 35 years, but since waking up to the world as it really exists and doing a, a very detailed research study on this, traveling the country, boots on the ground research, and, and you guys have read my books. The last three books are kind of the culmination of that, Spirit of the Antichrist, Volumes 1 and 2, and the new one, Spirit of the False Prophet. And I've just learned that uh, there's a lot more going on. And so that's all I'm trying to communicate. And I, I just, it really stung a little bit for people to, you know, to suggest that even in the slightest way, I am anti-Israel or pro-Holocaust. I mean, one person said I was, you know, basically looking the other way at the Holocaust. What? I mean, that's just absurd. I have a whole chapter in that on on the one of the books. So uh, I, I appreciate the encouragement and, and it's a reminder that there is an agenda. Is that really the main takeaway there? There's yeah, an agenda? Well, and just for me, it's always been a questioning, why do I even know this piece of news information? Uh, was it 2020, 2021? I can't remember, but was it Hong Kong? That uh, China, or I can't remember exactly what the situation was, but it was an island where there, somebody was thinking about invading it. And all of a sudden that was the beginning of World War Three. And that was news for about two weeks, and then it disappeared. Right, yeah. And it was just, wait a minute, we were on the brink of World War III for two weeks, and now we don't even know what happened. Right, yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and, and you just question, that's all. It always hits me. Why do I know that? Why is it not being reported anymore? Why is yeah. it no longer important? Just ask yourself why with all these news things, and why was this footage being taken? Yeah. Of, you know, why is it being, that footage being repeated over and over again? Was the yeah. footage edited, which we know they do that to sound clips and videos, you know, so just just again, by way of encouragement to listeners, just ask yourself why 
you even know the information you know when the news news tells you and yeah. that sometimes helps you know? yeah they they what control the narrative they control what they want you to know in fact they control the argument really they want the fact that we're having this discussion and that people are criticizing me for some of the uh comments i've made in the last few podcasts is because they set the parameters of the dialogue right yep. Why do we yeah. even know this is going on? So anyway, I hope people will uh, keep us in your prayers. It's not, it's nothing more than a, you know, personal annoyance. It's not like anything's, you know, serious. We have a lot worse problems in the world than just being criticized, but I just felt like it rose to the level of mentioning it to, to our audience, because I know we've got the best audience in the world. You guys get it. Uh, if you don't get it, let me introduce you to the unsubscribe button. It will not hurt my feelings at all. I get it. There are a lot of people you can listen to out there. And if you want to listen to echoes instead of answers, that's that's entirely up to you. I I, I speak from the heart. And so uh, one of the things that we talk about in the new book is hacking and tracking. And we've talked for some time, and I think most people by now realize that through digital technology, everything we say is being tracked. But you wanted to talk today to us, Lucas, about uh, specifically computers and the internet and how all of that is being tracked. Yeah. And to to set the stage, before I could talk about the technology, to set the stage, you know, this is not the first time that a government wants to track you and do something legal to you about it. All the way back in Daniel 6, this is the story of Daniel in the lion's den, still one of my favorite stories. And You've got the king's uh, cabinet. Can I call them the cabinet? You know, yeah. the governors and satraps, the cabinet. They come to him with this time-boxed law, which should have raised some flags in Darius's mind. Why do you only want to make this law for 30 days that people can't pray to anybody else but me? Um, so they come with this law. The, and the king, can I say it this way, he signed an executive order. <laughs> I uh, see where you're going with this. The analogies are pretty clear, aren't they? Yeah, I mean, you know, verse 9 in Daniel 6 says that uh, he signed a written decree, but can I call it an executive order? Just, you know, to, with that language. And then what Daniel did something interesting in verse 10, it says, now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went home and then he prayed. Mm -hmm. So Daniel actually took action to be private about what he was going to do. So then you have the king's cabinet being the NSA, and in verse 11, then these men assembled and found Daniel praying and making supplication before his God. And we know what happened with the story. They reported it. Darius wasn't happy about it, threw him in the lion's den. But, you know, the morning after, when Daniel was saved, he says to the king uh, in verse 22, my God sent his angel and shut the lion's mouth so that they have not hurt me because I was found innocent before him. So he didn't do anything to God. And also, O king, I have done no wrong before you. Mm. Mm. Now, that was interesting because Daniel directly broke the law that he just signed. Well, why didn't he, well, why didn't he or why did Daniel say that he didn't do anything wrong? Well, because Darius wasn't God. He yeah. was still praying to the true God. And we know the heart is in the hand or the heart of the king is in the hand of the Lord. And so Daniel, even though he, quote, broke the law, he was completely blameless, not only for the law, but for God, too. Amen. And, yeah. and so the reason I bring that up is because Daniel took action to actually privately do things that weren't going to be tracked. Now, they found him anyway, but he did do something. So sometimes, JB, I fear that in America we've become a little too comfortable you know, we feel like, you know what, I should be able to just hold up a sign and say whatever I want and put it on a billboard and, you know, post whatever I want on Facebook and everybody else should just, I'm not sure that's the way it should always be. You know, the church and uh, acts had to be very secretive or they would have been killed. Yep. Uh, and, and for a couple centuries after that. So I don't think it's wrong or sinful in any way to say we need to hide what we do a little bit more than maybe what we do now. Yeah, you know, that's a great point. And I, I am the worst at that. I again, I we all we love our country. We love our inalienable rights that are enshrined in the uh, in, in the Bill of Rights. Uh, mm -hmm. And we think, oh, that's a free country. I should be able to do this. But there's a wisdom issue that I often forget. And, and that is that especially in such a time as this, it it might be to your own protection to 
kind of stop being so public and not to cower in the face of evil. That's not what Daniel was doing. Uh, he no. was just being wise. And, and so uh, that's a great reminder. I don't know, you know, what the answer is, you know, uh, you, you know, you somewhere between poking the bear and cowering in the face of evil, uh, you know, there's, is the right spot, but um, you know, it, it, it it's not, you know, it's kind of like with the masks back during the uh, control of virus scandemic, you know, uh, there were those who made a big show of not wearing a mask. They'd go into a place and they'd they'd flaunt it and they'd say, "Look at me, I'm not wearing a mask," and look at all you idiots wearing a mask. And they'd make a big scene yeah. and they and then they'd tell about it on Facebook and even sometimes live stream it. And I, I that just always made me cringe. It's like you know, I wouldn't I I wouldn't wear a mask and I, I as much as I can. But if it came down to it and there was a situation where uh, the simplest path was to put on a mask for 30 seconds and be done. Hey, you know, wh wh why why make a big show of it? So I think, again, it comes down to nuance and wisdom. Uh, but that's a great reminder, Lucas. And Proverbs even says, do not speak in the hearing of a fool. Yeah. And so there's a wisdom there that, you know, we don't get to just yell whatever we want from the mountaintops and everybody just you know, we're going to have persecution and we need to be wise about it. And the Bible gives a lot of advice on that. Yeah. And what's that uh, proverb about not speaking? Be careful what you speak as a bird might carry it, a, you know, afar and spread it or something yeah, like that. Yeah. Do, do not speak badly of the king. Yeah. yeah it's there you specifically go. Specifically talking about government. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Uh, yeah. And that, that's an Ecclesiastes. Yeah. And so now on to a little bit more of the tech side, now that we've set our stage. Um, but what is tracking? Uh, tracking simply a way to identify you. Mm. Um, you know, they don't have to follow you around in terms of tracking, like, you know, you're tracking an animal in the forest. It's just a way to identify you. So we're going to talk specifically about tracking on your internet browser, whether it's, you know, Chrome, Firefox, Safari, Internet Explorer. If you don't know what any of those are, oh, Internet Explorer, that's bringing it back. I mean, Edge. Yeah. If you don't know what any of those are, it's the circle with the red, green, and yellow icon. It's the big blue E. It's the fox on fire. It's maybe a compass. Maybe it's a purple icon with a little Saturn in it, you know, but this is, it's a way to identify you online. So the way they do that, they do it through a bunch of different methods. They do it through your browser, through your operating system, which means Windows, Mac, through your IP address, which we're going to talk about in a minute, and then just your account that you log into. Um, now, I've, I said this last time when we talked about kind of open source and that kind of thing, not all tracking is bad. When you go to a website, you have what are called first-party tracking cookies. Well, we bring up cookies. What's a cookie? A cookie is a piece of code or a file that saves what your preferences are on a website. So the easiest way to describe it is like dark mode on a website. When I click that button to have dark mode, that's a cookie. That's a setting that saves. Or maybe my time zone, if I'm in Central Standard, Mountain, Pacific, whatever it is, that's a cookie. What language I'm in. You know, sometimes you come to a site and it'll ask you if you're in English or French or whatever it is, that's a cookie. And so those are basically what those are doing. Those aren't bad. In fact, when I go to a website, I don't want to have to choose my time zone and my language every time. Cookies can also save a login for websites. Now, uh, here's a good scenario. Imagine if you had to go to a website and log in every time you navigated to a new page, it would ask you to log in. No one would want to do that. That's terrible. Well, the reason your login is saved is because it's a cookie. So if you went to notbyworks.org and you signed up for the premier membership and you logged in, but then you navigated to a different page without a cookie, you'd have to log in again. And then when you click on another page on notbyworks.org, you'd have to log in again. So aren't cookies nice? Because once I have that login, it lets me persist throughout that website. And did you notice I plugged your premier web membership there, JBC? Yeah, you did. And and let, in fact, let me clarify that. I was going to I was going to clarify this with our premier members at our next uh, meeting, but um, but actually, our new premier subscription does not even require a username or password. It's just a unique oh. link that's sent to every member, and uh, 
And then they click that link anytime it takes them straight to the premier membership. Now, for years, we had an old uh, uh, service that was on our website called premium content, where you ah, could log in is, and yeah. get to archived data that was archived sermons from 20 years ago. That's still out there. We're not promoting it anymore. We've shifted to this subscription-based new content. Uh, and by the way, our next uh, invitation-only premier membership Zoom live Zoom session is next Tuesday, the 24th at seven o'clock central. But yeah, your point's still well, you know, well taken with the old premium content where you did have to log in. What a hassle it would be to have to, every time you open a new document uh, from the archives, you had to re-log in. That would be a pain. Mm -hmm. So so that's the that's the good use of cookies. Yep. Here's another one, shopping. Your shopping cart on a website is a cookie. You could not even do shopping websites without cookies because you'd have to, you couldn't do it because there'd be no way to save it to know what's in your cart. So anyway, those that's what a cookie is. That's what it does. And not all of them are bad. Now, some co companies, they'll assure their first party trackings are anonymous. But is it if you combine it with other data? You know, it's one of those they can say it's anonymous and it is. However, when I combine it with all the other ways to track you, it's not really that anonymous. So it's one of those, they're telling the truth, yet at the same time, they're not. <laughs> uh, and so how is tracking done? When I go to a website, how is tracking done? Now, I, I can't prove this, but if you have a user account, you know, whether it's Gmail, Facebook, anything else, I just assume everything you do on that website is tracked. You know, if I log into my bank I assume every single click, every single everything is logged somewhere and somebody can look at that. Um, that may not be the case. I doubt it is in all cases. I just kind of assume it. So if you're logged in somewhere, kind of assume that all that's being saved somewhere. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's just a good rule of thumb. Now, uh, they also do what's called IP address tracking. Now, what is an IP address? Well, the Internet is based on IP addresses, not words. So when I say that, what I mean is notbyworks.org isn't actually notbyworks.org. Not it's actually a number. And I looked this up. This is not a secret thing. I'm not giving any in secret information away. Anybody with an internet connection is do this. Notbyworks.org is 45.79.2.127. And if I would put that in my browser, I could go right to your website. However, the reason we don't use numbers is because words are a lot easier to remember. If I told some, if you had to say on air every time, JB, if you would go to 45.79.2.127 and you can get all the premium content and access to our, no one would ever realize that. But I can say go to notbyworks.org and everybody knows what that is. Yeah. And so not only does your website have an IP address, but my house, my internet, it has an IP address to go out. And so I have, when I sign up, you know, when you go to Comcast, uh, you know, Verizon, any of those places where you get a home internet, you know, address, you get an IP address. So when I go to notbyworks.org, notbyworks.org sees my IP address by my home and says, oh, this is the IP address that's visiting me. And that's normal. And that's how they can do the analytics to show show me, you know, where people throughout the world are, you know, accessing our our resources, our free resources on the website. That because those IP addresses are tracked to a geographic specific location. Yep, and sometimes it's not really specific. Like sometimes I'm in Central Illinois, mine might be come out of Chicago instead, or you know maybe out of Springfield in Illinois, which I'm not really that close to Springfield, but. So it's not exact, but it's close. And yeah, that's how it works. Now, here's the here's the fun thing about this. You only have one IP address for your whole home, but all the people in your house can use it at the same time and not have any trouble. It's very, very fast and it switches quickly, which means you can have somebody watching YouTube, watching Netflix, surfing the internet, playing a game online, and you can have that one IP address switch between all those computers really, really, really fast, and huh. you'll never have an issue. Huh. So what can happen is a website can track that IP address and save it. 
So JB, like with your website, notbyworks.org, if you had this sort of thing set up, you could know how often a certain IP address visits your website. And if you happen to know who that was and what, say, my IP address says, you could say, oh, Lucas visits notbyworks.org three times a week. Or every Tuesday at seven o'clock at night, he checks to see if there's any new podcasts. Or he could do those sorts of things with that. And then once you have that information, then you can do targeted marketing, right? You can. And it starts to get, so when we go down this road, it starts to get complicated. IP address is not the best thing to, to do, actually, because it's not as exact as we want it to. Reason being, you know, I have four people in my family. Let's say all of us are surfing the internet. Every site we go to is going to be the same IP address. And I I would say, you know, a seven-year-old, a 10-year-old, and two adults are going to all visit very different sites, and we're not all the same people. So if you would say it's all, that would look pretty weird. Right. Now, here's what can also happen. You can block IP addresses. We actually had this happen. We were going camping in Minnesota. And we couldn't get to their website. So we emailed them and they said, hey, what's your IP address? And me knowing how this works, I'm like, "Uh, I'd rather not share that. Is there really a problem? They said, and they emailed back and said, yeah, based on geographic location, we've had some problems. So if you let me know this part of your IP address, not the whole thing, we can do it. So I sent it to them. They unblocked it and we could visit their website. Huh. But so I thought you said IP addresses were public domain that people could could get it anyway, not something secret. My my private home IP address is not public. Okay. Your okay. website is. I got you. And so like JB, you said you have you have your website, but right. you also have your home internet. Right. Don't tell people your home internet IP. Well, we have a we actually have a DPN uh and, so. and then you go through VPN yeah, yeah, yep, that yeah. too. So don't tell people what that is because if they know that, well now they can start trying to hit your network and that's bad. Right. Um, right. But we're not going to get into the whole hacking thing, but that's what can happen. But again, IP addresses aren't the best thing, although they're useful. Most of the time what you're going to encounter are called third party cookies. This is again a code stored on your browser. These are more likely your tracking cookies that people are going to see. They follow you from site to site. The most well-known is the Facebook cookie. So, and it learns your behaviors. Now, this, this could probably be enlightening to some people. You know, most websites, they have like the like button. That You're not on Facebook, but they have a like button for an article or whatever it is. If you're logged into Facebook and that website has a like button, Facebook knows you visited that site and they're going to track it according to that cookie and then send it to Facebook. So Facebook knows essentially, unless you block it, all of the sites you visit that have a like button on it. Hmm. Now you think about how prolific that is. Facebook is all over the place. That's why the tracking is so good because everybody wants to have the like button on there. And so they know where you go they probably timestamp it too. So they know, well, they've clicked on this ad and then they went to this new site and then they went to this shopping site and then they went and they can actually track your trail and where you go. Yeah. Now, now to go into the, we're not going to go down this road too far, but now you, you ask AI and you start developing those patterns that after I see this ad on Facebook, I typically go here. Well, how can you use it? Well, advertisers can start to say, okay, if he visits this type of site and then visits this type of site, I'm going to advertise the next hop in that chain so he'll see it and be more likely to go to my website instead of one of my competitors. Wow. And so that's how it could work. Now, yes, it really is, you know, people have no idea why they're doing a lot of the things that they're doing. We think that, and and you've all know Harari actually talked about this and I, I have a quote in my book, but he talked about how you think you have free will, but really AI knows you better than you know yourself in some cases. It can predict what you're going to do next before you do, right? Mm-hmm. And yeah, because we sometimes don't realize the patterns we fall into. Right. And the, the term clickbait, <laughs> yeah. that's exactly what that is. It's recognizing behaviors and then sending you ads based on your next behavior 
that you just kind of fall into. And have you ever heard it said, well, yeah, I just clicked on it. I knew it was clickbait, but I did it anyway. <laughs> oh, That's yeah. what they're going for. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that, that's it, It's you can't, you can't resist, you know? But, yeah. Uh, you know, Randy, of course he's been, he's on our show every week, but he he's talked about uh, the importance of randomness and trying every right. now and then even to just take different routes when you go places, just, because everything's being tracked. You're talking about, of course, computers and IP addresses and all that. But uh, with all the cameras and, and facial recognition and license plate readers and the uh, the digital uh, cameras that are out there, they're tracking all that data, too. So it's good to just every now and then throw them a curve and do something completely random to kind of break the mm -hmm. pattern. Yeah, because it'll knock it out. Yeah. Now, what websites will also use is called a color cookie. Now, I learned about this one in researching. This one's nefarious. Let me tell you. So what they do is when you visit a website, they assign your browser a color. Now, for anybody out there that knows, it's I'm going to assume it's hexadecimal, which means it's a six-digit number that has A, B, C, D, E, or F, and all the numbers, so 0 through 9. Now, doing the math, that's 16,777,216 possibilities of colors. So when they assign that color, when you visit that website, they know exactly who you are and then can track that web your all the things you do on that website by your browser. And, you know, it's almost 17 million possibilities before they ever might have a double. Huh. And wow. so they can know. Yeah. And so depending now, I'm not saying every website uses this. I'm just saying it's something that's there that they assign you that unique color. Every time you visit that website, they know exactly who you are from and, that and route. Color is just a six, you're assuming is just a six digit identifier that is made up of either the digits one through nine, yeah. zero through nine and the first six letters and any combination thereof. And so yep. a color is just a unique identifier. We're not talking about red, blue, green, purple, right? Yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's a unique color. And you've got almost 17 million possibilities. So they're going to know who visited their website. And then based on that identifier, that six-digit identifier, they can then know all the things you do on that website. Wow. Yeah. So that's pretty amazing. Now, uh, typically, these third-party cookies, they're off by default. Like everybody's been to a website, and it'll ask you to accept their cookies or to see their policy, whatever. If you if you ever take the time to click on your settings or click on no more or you know whatever the button might say, you'll find that all those extra tracking cookies are typically off by default. But if you don't go into that menu, they're on by default. Does huh. that make sense? I would encourage you when it asks you to accept all or reject all, click the reject all or click more information and don't accept all those extra stuff. Huh. You know, I would encourage you. Now, some things you can't. JB, I've been to what your website. You do have cookies going. Some cookies are necessary just to even make the website work. Sure. You know, we talked about login, so that's not bad. But reject everything you can. Yeah. Uh, is my personal thought on it. Yeah, and uh, you, you, that's people sometimes email us about that, but that's not us. We have no control over that. Every website now has cookies, and so, uh, you know, the first time you visit a new website. Uh, that your browser's never been to before, you're going to get that pop-up that says, do you want to accept or reject cookies? Yeah, and it's not necessarily bad. I mean, you don't need to go in. It's all the extra stuff that you, you want to have the choice to turn off and go turn it off. You know, it's it's two or three extra clicks, you know, so I encourage you to do it. You've also got the sites that'll say, you know, do you want to disable your ad blocker to, uh, you know, visit this site? I wouldn't do it. You know, I mean, there's lots of free sites out there that offer lots of wealth of information and they do make their money off of advertising. But at what point is that not worth it? Right. You know, we've got to ask ourselves those ideas. And so, OK, so that's cookies. Cookies is really deep. I'm scratching the surface on that. Uh, but you can go down that road uh, and really learn a lot about it. Now, another thing is uh, web beacons. Now, these are these are crazy. It's a pixel embedded in a website or email. Now, a pixel is just, you know, the smallest little square of your screen that has a color. You know, that's a pixel. And what it'll be, it'll be embedded on a page, and then it'll track you. Like, it tells you how long you were on a certain page. 
and how how many pages you navigated through. So if it's a news article, it will tell me how long I spent on that page and then how you know what I navigated to, how long I spent on that next page. Now I started off talking about those YouTube little things and the headlines. Well, a newspaper site knows that if I have an article that I know takes five, six, seven minutes to read, and the person spent 30 seconds on my site or on that page, they read the headline and maybe the first paragraph. Right. And they know that. So they're going to put exactly what they want you to know in that headline, the first paragraph. They may even disagree with it at the bottom of the article or put a caveat. We're not really sure if this is true, but they know most people aren't going to scroll that far down. And so it is kind of, you talk about that kind of that mind control. They're not, quote, controlling us, but they know what our behaviors are. So they know what to put where to tell us what to think yeah. kind of thing. Mm -hmm. You know, it's kind of a subversive. They're not controlling us, but they sort of are, you know, depending on how you look at it. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. Mm-hmm. And so the, the new one, you know, this is the Facebook pixel, you know, is a common one. Uh, again, it, it's on basically every shopping site. They know when I shop. They know how often I do it. They know what I shop for, even if I don't buy it. You know, you ever get emails from shopping sites? Hey, this item is still in your cart. Do you want to check out? It's that kind of stuff. It follows you around no matter what kind of device you're on. And then it also starts to make recommendations to others with similar behaviors. Now, this happens with phones. I've had Sarah, my wife, and her mom friends, they will be sitting talking together, you know, on somebody's porch. And one, they'll start talking about a topic of something somebody wants to buy. All of a sudden, all those other ladies start getting all these ads for that same item, even though they aren't interested in it. But yeah. they're friends and those. So it's really easy to prove that this happens. Um, if you want, you know, you can go out on the videos and find people that say, I've never talked about going to vacation to Florida before. And I've just, you know, said one thing. And then I start getting ads for Disneyland or World, which, whichever one's in Florida. And that happens. What is it doing? It's tracking those with a pixel or a cookie or something. Yeah. Um, another one is the email beacon. Now, this one can act, be useful, but it is a way to track you. You know, when you get sent an email and it says, you know, click here to see whatever, they can track to see what time you open that email and then if you click the link or not. So if you work for an advertising company, they, they might say, you know, we have a 60% click rate. <laughs> I think that'd be really, really high. But It would, yeah. But they know that because there's tracking on that email that they send. They know when people open it and when people click on the links. So that's why, JB, I know you know that, you know, most people are only going to click on those links within the first couple days. Right. And so they know I'm going to send this at the optimal time when most people are going to look at their email because I have those statistics, too. I know when they open it and I know that this many people are going to open it in the three days. Right. You know, or whatever it is. That's all tracking. And so imagine how that could be used. You know, we just had that uh, emergency thing that happened two weeks, you know, two weeks ago on our phones. Well, they know when most people are going to be doing things. That can be used to advertise and sell certain stories and things like that. It's controlling the narrative and they know when we're going to look at it. Yeah, so. data really is power. And and that's mm -hmm. what I talk about in, in, the, in the, oh, the new book is that data is the new currency. Because yeah. if you know what to do with it and how to interpret it and how to manipulate it, uh, man, you can really do some pretty amazing things. And and that's what the, the Luciferian elites have been doing uh, really since the digital age. And they're way ahead of everybody else. Uh, and again, you know, we've talked a lot about how technology in and of itself is amoral. It's not bad or good. And thankfully, the, for the cause of Christ, we've been able to use technology to further the gospel, to get the word out, to awaken people to what's really going on. Um, so you have to, like most things, you have to kind of have that discernment and that nuance not to think in in such rigid terms that all evil, all technology is evil. I mean, I, I hear people say, oh, we should just unplug everything, move to a mountaintop, dig a hole and dive in. And and by the way, there may come a time when we have to do that if the world <laughs> keeps going the way it's going. But I think that would be the exact wrong decision uh, right now. I think that, that it, would, it, would not, not, it would not be being good stewards of what 
God has called us to do. And I talked about this on the podcast yesterday with uh, Randy about how, you know, we have a job to do. We're here for a reason. We need to be doing business until the Lord comes. And so, uh, but boy, the more I hear you talk and, you know, you kind of explain this and you're explaining it so very well, by the way, uh, uh, really connecting the dots. I hope people appreciate, uh, and I know they do, uh, but boy, it, it, it can be kind of scary, can it? Yeah. And this next one, we're going to give some, there's the last one we'll talk about. It really gives some practical, you can go out and do this and really see what's going on. Uh, this is called browser fingerprinting. You know, you think of your finger, fingerprint, it's uh, unique which by the way, God is the creator. Isn't it amazing how all bajillion people that have ever been born all have unique fingerprints. Isn't Uh that amazing? But it'll track, it's a way to track your device. So you have a Mac, you have a Dell, HP, they can track all that. What your screen resolution is, what operating system you're using, what language you're in, what time zone, how many plugins or extensions you have on your browser. Hmm. It'll track all that and be able to identify that for you. So if people want to actually do this, go out to coveryourtracks.eff.org. Now, I don't endorse these this company. I don't know who they are, really. But they are a foundation that helps you understand tracking on the Internet. If you go to that site, coveryourtracks.eff.org, you can actually click a button to test how unique your browser is. And they will tell you, hey... You are able to be tracked like this. You're able to be tracked like this. And you have a unique browser fingerprint among the, you know, for a million people or something like that. And then uh, it gives you, gosh, it gives you tons and tons of information. That's kind of technical about how you can be tracked online. So if you're interested in this topic, go out to that website, click that button and just see how much you can be tracked by and then you can do something about it and you have to do that on each of your devices i assume right you can't right because your devices are all different yeah which means they're all quote unique yeah so you could do that and see oh i'm more likely i've have uh fewer protections against tracking on my computer than i do on my phone well there's huh. ways to mitigate that so so cover your tracks.eff.org Yep. And I don't, I'm not endorsing them. I'm not, you know, this is not, it's just, this is an opportunity. It's a website to go out and see what's out there. And And it's a cool little thing to do. And just for the record, you don't hate Israel either, right? I just thought I'd throw (laughs) that in there. Every chance I I get, I got to remind people of that. So I I love Israel too. And like you said, I pray for the rapture often, but we got a job to do. That's right. You nailed it. it. All right. uh, So who's doing all this tracking? It's Google. Uh, you know, it, the subset, it would be Google Analytics would be what they're called. Uh, there's an estimated about 29 million sites using Google Analytics. And so if Google's getting all your data, you can essentially assume the government has it. You know, and now do I know exactly, you know, let's say a website you visit has cookies on it. Do I know how, say, Yuvaldo Harari is getting that information? I say him, you know, just kind of. Yeah. As a metaphor. As a a metaphor. Do I know exactly how that happens? No, I don't. But I can tell you they're getting it one way or the other. And I've read a couple books about possibilities about that happens. I don't know exactly, except I know it happens. So Uh, because you mentioned 28 million. I'm surprised it's not more. I mean, are there sites out there? I guess there are that don't use Google Analytics. There are. They're rare, Uh uh, but there are. And, uh, and there's some other companies, it's not just Google, but you know, Google's like 98, you know, 95%, whatever I'm making that number up, but it's really, really high is all I know. Exactly. (laughs) And so, uh, now as scary as that is here, here's the thing is, is the tracking as exact as we might think it is? And what I mean by that, all that tracking that talked to is it possible that I can just say, hey, go pull up a history of J.B. Hickson for all the things he's searched and done online in the last five years? See, I don't think it is. And, and here's why not. Um, I don't think it's going to be foolproof with the methods they have because I have a computer for work. You mentioned you have a VPN, which you may or may not always be on that. Uh, you have your phone. You possibly have a work phone. You change phones. You have your personal computer. Uh, you might have another device like a tablet. You know, I mean, 
you start going across and as many ways they can uniquely identify you, think about how many unique identifiers you have. Now you've got to, to, to build a quote profile of J.B. Hicks and you've got to somehow put that all together. Well, now, isn't the, that what they do with the bit buckets? Because I was under the impression that these massive data storage facilities that they have that I've talked about in the book, uh, everybody you know has a not everybody, but most people have a bit bucket, and then no matter what device you're on, they're storing it all there so that if needed, they could go back in and data mine. Is that a bit uh, of an overstatement? Good segue. So yes, so they have all that, and that's what we would call big data. It's out there. So with big data, big data just means there's tons and tons and tons of data. It, I would think it would be easy to develop or track trends among people. You know, how long does this, how long does the average person spend on this website? How long, you know, how many items does the average person buy on Amazon? That's relatively easy. Tracking it down to an individual person, I would think would be more difficult. And so what I say, I'm not disagreeing with you. I'm saying it'd be difficult to, to find the exact individual information. Not impossible. Difficult. Yeah. Because I mean, it's, it's like Hoover before technology. He had FBI files on, you know, hundreds of thousands of Americans, but not on everyone, obviously. So some people didn't have a file. But what's different now is even if you don't have a digital file, uh, and I'm quite sure that I do, um, and you probably do too. Um, yeah. But even if you don't, through big data, they could go in and and create one, right? Oh yeah, and they could do that. Um, and by way of here's here's something that happened to me at work, and this is kind of why I have this opinion on it. Uh, I asked our firewall guy, which just means the guy in charge of the firewall. Now, what a firewall does is it blocks things, but what it also does it logs all the traffic you have. So like a place I work, every single website, every single person visited is logged. So what I asked him is I asked him, could you look up all the cloud apps that people go to? So mm -hmm. any app that's online, could you look up and just do a search and find all of them? And what he told me was, well, I can't do that because there's so much data, it would be really hard. But if you know what you're looking for, ah. I can go look it up for you. Yep. And that's what I mean is... Trends are easy. Finding that individual data, unless somebody would say, go look up J.B. Hickson, they're not necessarily looking at that because that's kind of difficult to run in that search and get all that information altogether. Right. But it's available with the right tools. And certainly the yes. NSA and the Luciferian elites that are pulling the strings of world power right now, they have that capability. Uh, yes. So they could... You know, it's kind of like triangulating a cell signal. You know, you only need to know a few pieces of information and you can find somebody. Uh, and I, so I think the same thing's true with big data. They can, if they want to find it, have a reason to find it, they can go looking for it. But what scares me, and this is a little bit off subject, but it comes to my mind, is that not only can they find data if they had a, a reason to or an inclination to, but now with AI, most people... You, you know, don't have anywhere near the understanding that you have about all of this technology. And most people just have this sense that technology is, is, can be, can do anything that, that you can do anything with technology. So what they can do is they can make up data, claim that it was harvested from, from your data and pass it off as legitimate and use it in a court of law or anywhere else uh, against you. And so yep. the average person without spending millions of dollars hiring, you know, forensic specialists in technology is not going to be able to disprove that. So we're, you know, part of this is that, yes, they really can do some pretty stunning things with technology and AI, but part of it is they've just created the impression that they can so that they can just declare by fiat certain things to be true. And most people aren't going to be able to refute it. Yeah, exactly. And it's a good segue that you kind of, they have the data and even though it might be difficult, they can get that, but that's why they keep coming up with new technology. Mm -hmm. uh, anybody, this happened kind of under the rug. Most people might still not even happen. This does that, that it's happening. In 2020, they started Bluetooth contact tracing. 
here's what I think technology wise kind of now that was because of COVID and all that. And, and, you know, you know, the grand scheme of that technologically, here's what I think was happening. You mentioned triangulating based on GPS and cell towers and all that. Yeah, that they could go do that where they could track my movement. What they couldn't do is say, easily correlate that with another person. So I could know where each person moved, but those people in relation to each other, it would probably took a lot of extra effort to know when our paths crossed. Huh. However, now that we have Bluetooth tracking where Bluetooth, you know, says, oh, I'm near this phone using Bluetooth. Well, now not only can I track two locations, but now I can know easily how many people I was around and close to. Wow. Yeah. I hadn't thought about that, but you're exactly mm-hmm. right. When, when you go to your Bluetooth menu, usually there's a bunch of things that pop up, you know, especially mm-hmm. like if you're on a plane or you're in a restaurant or something, you're just trying to connect yep. your Bluetooth headset or something. It, it says, do you want to connect to, you know, Joe's computer or the, you know, this or that and the other, that's should tells you right there that it knows what's all around you. Yep. And so that's what, when I say they, you're absolutely right, they've got the data, but it's difficult to sift through. Well, that's why they keep developing a news way to go through it. AI being a huge part of that. Because wow. if you can do all the machine learning, the technology is going to get to where, well, now I can more easily get all the data on an individual from all the sources I've got. Wow. And so that's what happens with it. Mm-hmm. Wow, this is fascinating. I am so, this has been yeah, just one of the best podcasts we've had in a while, just in terms of information. And it's so critical for people to understand in a time like this, uh, how easily they are being tracked. You know, we, we're, we're talking with Lucas Doremus, if you've uh, just joined us or uh, we missed the first part of the podcast. Uh, and uh, we're talking about, are you being tracked? Now you wanted to, uh, I think, close out with uh, with something that that references back to some comments I've made on a previous uh, podcast about AI and uh, just the the job market and things like that. Yeah, I listened to the podcast with Andy or Andy Randy, and you guys were talking about AI uh, making jobs go away. And you mentioned your kids that they're being told don't even bother with you know kind of a computer programming type language because AI is going to take it over. Um, I don't disagree with you that decades later, you guys mentioned that hockey stick graph where, you know, eventually it happens. And I don't disagree with that. But working in the industry, I think the industry is going to react. And here's what I mean. There is a principle out there and I forget what it's called. It's a it's an accepted theory, not by everybody, but as something becomes easier or cheaper, we actually use it more, not less. And we've seen that with electricity, that as electricity has gotten cheaper and easier to produce, we actually use more electricity. So that should kind of cause some pause when we say we're using cheaper electricity and it's going to save the environment because we're using less of it. (laughs) The the inverse actually becomes true. It's now that it's cheaper, I can use more of it because I can afford it. Right. So I think with the AI, you know, computer programming and that kind of stuff, I think the industry is going to react that as people start using AI to do more things like computer programming using the code and as the AI can generate its own code, I think some companies are gonna go, wait a minute, I might not need 10 developers anymore, I only need two because I can write more code. Wait a minute, now each of my developers is worth five developers with AI, which means if I still have those 10 developers, I now have 50 developers with AI instead of 10 developers without AI. I see, yeah. So what I mean is that we might see kind of a, I think we'll see both. I think we'll see some jobs going down, but we'll see other jobs change because now that AI is here and makes some jobs easier, they'll go, well, now that it's easier, I can do more of it, which means I need to hire more people that know enough to work the AI and do the programming language that now I can develop applications even faster because my developers are now more efficient. Yeah, I think it, this, you're exactly right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. so I just wanted to throw that out that it, the industry is going to react. You know, like you, you mentioned up the, the uh, radiologists mm-hmm. that they have to look at the X-ray. Um, I find that example in the optometry world too. That if I want to go order a pair of contacts, I can't do it without you know a uh, up-to-date prescription. So. 
I wonder if as AI gets better also and makes things more efficient, we're going to see more laws passed to protect jobs saying AI cannot do this job huh. because I want to stay employed because that's how it is in some industries. So I just, it's interesting. We're so early into this AI thing. We're going to react in ways that we can't necessarily predict right now. Yeah, you know, it reminds me of what I talked about yesterday in my opening of the podcast with Randy and, and the devotional there, and that's the abnormalcy bias, which is a phrase that I've come up with to describe the fact that when we have these major world shifts and things going on, especially as they clearly have correlations to Bible prophecy, we tend to just think the sky is falling, and and I think you could see that with the with the references to the job market. A lot of people are thinking, "Oh my goodness, AI, we're going to all be homeless and jobless in three months." You know, I think there's a bit of an overreaction to that. Typically, uh, things don't happen as quickly as we think. Uh, now they will happen uh, eventually. You know, the the world is going to come to an end. The, Satan's going to send his agents to take over the beast and the false prophet. All that's going to happen, but I think we need to. Remember that we have a job to do while we're here and not overreact, not panic. And I think that's essentially what you're saying. Yeah. And to bring it, I'm going to, I'm going to bring it back kind of in conclusion with all the tracking things we just talked about. Think about this. Why are phones so cheap? You know, if you go to, you know, a Verizon store, an AT&T store, we're offering, you know, buy one, get one free, new iPhone, you know, 17, you know, whatever version we're on, <laughs> like 13, you know, whatever it is, I don't remember. <laughs> Why ask yourself, why is this expensive piece of hardware buy one, get one free? Yeah, because they want you to have one. Absolutely. And so, you know, let's go back 10, 15 years. You know, they're talking to Steve Jobs and developing this iPhone. Think of all the tracking we can now do on a person because they have a smartphone. This is going to be great. We're going to be able to track somebody. Well, in reality, what happened? Well, now that I have an iPhone, I now have an iPhone and a computer and an iPad, and maybe an old iPhone, and a work phone. So even though it became easier to track, what happened? Well, the number of devices proliferated. Yeah. So in one sense, the tracking got better. In another sense, it got more confusing because now I have so much more data to sift through. Yeah, good So, point. So, you know, the way things, re and like you said, I'm not denying that they have the data. You know, I'm not denying the, bit, the Bitbucket idea. It's just, how do you actually get that data on a person is more difficult than maybe we might think. So what actually we react, it's not a single system, you know, or, or some down to one system. Yeah. Idea. And, you know, the iPhones, that's the reason that Bill Gates and some of the other Luciferian globalists have been out there giving iPhones to people in third world countries. I mean, there was a time when you would go to certain parts of the world where they would not have running water, but everybody would have an iPhone because they put yeah. up the cell towers and, um, and they are expensive, but I think that's by design to make you think you're getting something of value. So a new, brand new, latest model bells and whistles iPhone might be twelve hundred dollars or something. And again, I don't. I'm just guessing here. Uh, but then when you walk in and they say, "Hey, if you sign up with us, we'll give you a free one," it makes you think you're getting something really valuable. But the bottom line is they want those trackers in everybody's hands. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so with this tracking stuff, it's worthwhile protecting ourselves from it as much as we can. Because we don't know how it's going to develop as things goes on. Yeah. So I know this podcast was pretty technical, but I hope it sheds some light on we just kind of assume everything's tracked. Well, I'm not saying that's wrong. <laughs> Most yeah. things are tracked, but we need to have some nuance with that. And I hope it gave your listeners just some more of that detail. If they want to do more research. The Internet's out there to go research it even further because it, it's a major rabbit hole to go down. It was fascinating and so crucial and such crucial information. I hope folks will spread this far and wide. It's, uh, you know, every now and then we have a podcast that's just chock full of really important uh, practical information. And this was one of those. And thank you so much for taking the time to kind of walk us through what it means to be tracked. Uh, are you being tracked? How are you being tracked and what you can uh, what you can do about it. So uh, thanks so much. Uh, we'll connect offline and pick our next date. Uh, we want to have you back on, but uh, man, you're going to have a tough act to follow after this one because that was fantastic. Uh, thank you very much. So folks, thanks for listening again. Keep us in your prayers. Uh, thanks for letting me vent a little bit at the outset 
of today's program about some of the criticism that we've taken in the last 48 hours, but I hope you'll listen to the podcasts that I've done with uh, Randy, with Leo Holman, with Worldview Matters, with uh, you know David Fiorazzo and others, because there's critical information there. Uh, and then, of course, as always, draw your own conclusions. Stay in the Word of God. Let the Word of God uh, kind of be the filter for all of the truth claims that you're hearing. Uh, don't forget about our new book, spiritofthefalseprophet.org. You can go there to find out more about it, spiritofthefalseprophet.org. Don't forget the new free section of our website, of our uh, online store. Go to the, the Not By Works store. Uh, that's notbyworks.org slash store. And then click on the free section. We just posted a couple of articles yesterday uh, that are I think will be helpful. One is a, a presentation on uh, the rapture. One is about the judgment seat of Christ. And we're going to try to add more to that uh, regularly. Uh, and then for those of you that are interested in the premier membership, we have our next uh, premier member only Zoom live session next Tuesday night. October the 24th, a premier membership not only comes with the periodic live Zoom sessions, but we also uh, give you early access to some of the videos. For example, the videos that I did this past weekend in Flint, Texas, we posted those right away uh, to our uh, premier audience. We will eventually post them to the general audience. Uh, so you get early access, and then you also get uh, members-only content, of uh, content that would cost you something uh, to purchase it comes automatically uh, with the premier membership, like the Spirit of the Antichrist video series, the What in the World's Going On video series, and that kind of thing. So thanks so much for listening. Uh, tomorrow on the podcast, we've got uh, Pete Garcia. You don't want to miss that. It's going to be a fantastic, uh, his first time on our show. I've really grown to appreciate what he has to say. So that's tomorrow on the podcast. Next week, unbelievable lineup. We've got Tom Hughes on Monday. I can't wait to talk to him and get an update on Israel. I've got Randy Price uh, on Tuesday. Uh, he'll give us an update on Israel. And then later in the week, we've got Bill Salas. So uh, plus we'll have our world events update with Randy. I'm trying to get Shane back on and uh, we'll squeeze you in again somewhere, Lucas, uh, here in the next few days or a few weeks anyway. So thanks so much, everybody. God bless. Have a great rest of the day.